In this episode, exploring the cat and dog meat trade in Southeast Asia, the dangers of wet markets and taking animal welfare seriously. Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Hi, it's Kim and Phil with you. Big thanks for tuning in from wherever you get your favourite pods. Now, Phil, coronavirus, it has what we've come to learn, zoonotic origins. Am I not correct? Uh, Correct. Okay, so that's essentially a disease or infection that is naturally transmissible from animals to humans. So in this episode, as mentioned, we'll touch on the dog and cat meat trade in Southeast Asia and the risks to public health. And we'll also chat with the co-founder of a business helping companies create experiences for travellers that are more responsible and sustainable when it comes to animals and communities. Yeah, we're all for that, aren't we? Every day in Cambodia, Indonesia and Vietnam, pet dogs and cats are stolen, would you believe, and taken to slaughterhouses and markets where they're killed. International charity Four Paws says the dog and cat meat trade consists of similar practices that have led to the likely emergence of COVID-19 from that wet market in Wuhan, China, and SARS from a similar live market in 2003. Yeah, well, we'll speak to Matt from Four Paws shortly, but first, Helen is the co founder of Animondial. Their key mission is to protect animals in tourism, with 90% of travellers preferring a travel company that takes animal welfare seriously. We've been going for a couple of years, two and a half years, and um, Daniel and I, who's the co-director, we used to work in animal welfare charities, and we met working at the Born Free Foundation. And um, basically there, just like what I'm doing now, I work on corporate partnerships for charities and fundraising, and he's actually an animal welfare biologist and he um so together when we worked there he was very much known and always sort of approached from travel businesses to help them with any issues with animals in tourism because um he co-wrote abta's um animal welfare guidelines so i don't know if you've seen them there um they're the global guidelines for animal welfare and tourism and it was written with ABTA, so the um, Association of British Tour Operators or Travel Agents, and uh, has then really forever been involved in that area. So we set the business up a couple of years ago and we work with um, travel businesses around the world. So whether that's travel associations, tour operators, airlines, whatever it might be. And we guide on anything related to animals and communities in tourism um, because they're, off, they're often interlinked. Um, so it can be anything like, for, for example, looking through products selections and helping them with their portfolio. So making sure that they choose experiences that are more responsible and sustainable when it comes to animals and communities rather than, well, you would know there's a lot of challenges with, you know, Asian elephant camps, for example, huge issue. Um, And obviously dolphins, whales and dolphins, especially after blackfish. So there's all those kind of big issues of animals and tourism and a lot that are ignored, like working animals, for examples, and strays. And so basically what we do is we we work with travel businesses and we'll guide them on product selection. We'll write their policy and strategy for um, animal welfare and tourism. So it's as part of their responsible tourism mandate, we would focus on the animal side of it. And then alongside that, we also, we've got a growing network of charity partners um, and we call them our animal protection network. So they're charity partners around the world um, that basically we 
we feel really trusted uh, to try and solve some of the biggest problems for animals and tourism in their remit. So they might be tiny, tiny charities. And um, really that helps us cover the protection of key species around the globes and key, in key destinations. Globes? There's more than one apparently. Globe in key destinations. Um, and then we're, ele- we're able then also to, to match these charities with businesses that we work with. Because most people, um, you know, especially in the orbits that we move in with World Nomads and, and, and the type of travel companies you deal with, people are convinced we want to do the right thing by animals. So they just want to be told, is this something that I can do or not? Yeah. Is the yeah, black yeah. and white or full of grey? Oh, it's absolutely full of grey. We're working on a project that's bringing travel companies together to actually support and guide um, elephant camps. So this is one project we're doing in Asia because – Actually, a lot of them are really just trying to do the right thing. They're really not sure what's best for the elephants um, and they're local people that are running them. And we created that problem as Westerners going in and saying, oh, let's, you know, turn this into a holiday experience and make loads of money. But it was very exploitative. So now, um, for example, in, in an elephant camp, there's there's so many things that are black and white there's not black and white because a gray you know there's uh, you know if you you can be in contact with an elephant but not you know not bathing with them they could just roll over and they can kill you in a moment you know um there's all sorts of things that we just don't know about and as you rightly say travel businesses just want to know we're supporting them with that really you're right so there are so many shades of gray we've got a program that we're going to be establishing soon with a lot of um, big tour operators behind it but of course now I say soon now it's been you know really put back but it will be a case of actually going in and training uh, local mahouts but not not us as westerners people that live there that we feel are doing a great job sharing their knowledge and therefore enabling these people to host responsible experiences for tourists that are sustainable as well for livelihoods and the elephants. I'm going to jump in before you and Phil crack uh, a bottle of Chardonnay or Pinot (laughs) (laughs) and go (laughs) (laughs) and just chat for hours. How has um, the pandemic affected what you're doing? Charities we're giving free support to now because um, they can't afford it. They can't afford to pay any money we give them a lot of free promotion and connection with travel businesses um but one thing is that COVID-19 actually came from animals um it's a zoonotic disease and uh at the moment we're using this time to say to travel businesses focus now on your risk prevention and mitigation behind the scenes for when the world opens up again so you know COVID-19 um came from now we think it's dogs um, but again, it's just that human-animal interaction. A zoonotic disease is something that could be transmitted between uh, animals and people. Actually, now maybe this can open our eyes a little bit to being a little bit more responsible in that area. So that's a change in our business and how we're talking to travel companies. Now is a good time to kind of get your house in order a little bit, you know, if there's uh, capacity to do that, to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen again. So, yeah, so it's, it's affected us a lot. Um but we're trying to use it to support businesses in that way going forward. So risk mitigation is a big thing. I chatted to Olivia uh, recently on a podcast and she is trapped, stranded in a bungalow on an island in Thailand. And she hooked, I know it sounds fabulous, doesn't it? She's she's really quite happy because she's linked in with these other expats who have noticed that the dogs, the stray dogs on this particular mm. island 
rely on the food scraps from the hotels which are closed to survive. Mm, absolutely. So they've taken it upon themselves to um, feed them, get them, get the necessary vac- vaccinations for them. They've saved 67 dogs so far. That's amazing. Is there anything that you would like to share further about what you're doing? What would be amazing would be for travel businesses. To, I know it's such a tough time right now. It really is. So it's hard for them to think through COVID. But I think as part of their planning for when everyone is back out in the world, if they would include animal welfare as part of their responsibility pillar, um, if more and more companies would do that and see that actually that would that would not just protect the animals and travelers, but it would also give local people um, opportunities to, you know, to thrive and have livelihoods in an ethical way, but also it can help with preventing situations such as COVID-19 from happening again in future. Thanks, Helen. Anna Mondial has been supporting Four Paws, an international animal welfare organisation committed to encouraging people to treat animals with respect, compassion and understanding. It's not that hard, is it? No. But Matt, why did you reach out to Helen? Basically, we reached out to Anna Mondial um, to provide kind of expertise in how to engage um, with the travel sector. We are an animal welfare charity, and so we look to these kind of um, expert insights and like partnerships to help us kind of best communicate our campaigns and our missions. So we've had a fair, a decent chunk of time to, to stop and reflect since coronavirus was declared a pandemic. What have you been focusing on and thinking about as the world starts to re-engage? It's one of those things where you have, we have a plan, we have a campaign, we have kind of, you know, our activities set that we're looking to conduct over the course of a year. And then it's a sudden sharp right turn. And so specifically where I work in Southeast Asia on the, you know, I work on the dog and cat meat trade. So on that level, it was, how is it affecting you? Because country by country, it's been different. The kind of restrictions, the severity, like the rate of infection has been different. We are campaigning very hard against the dog and cat meat trade in Southeast Asia. And then when you look at the the science and the evidence that's that's been coming out over time, it's kind of common knowledge now, I would hope that the, the suspected origins of, of this COVID-19 pandemic were from a, a wet market. And a wet market is a loose definition of uh, an, a market where animals are kind of killed, basically, um, kind of kept sometimes alive and often killed on the premises at these markets. And there's there's been lots of evidence of cross-contamination between different species, like illegally caught wildlife, snakes and bats and 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 also with traditional kind of livestock animals, seeing how quickly this virus has kind of decimated, you know, so many people and economies and livelihoods and, and all these things globally, it's time to look at the source of where, where these things start, right? And what we can do to change mm-hmm. them. A lot of people that we meet just don't want to be doing this, but they, they, their options are very, very limited. Like it can be very difficult if you're living in, you know, a developing country in a rural environment, you know, this can be an easy way to make money, honestly. Is it dogs and cats specifically because we recognise those as pets? If if uh, the wet markets were regulated and they weren't so treated so horrifically, could you see a market for it? It's a good question and it's a difficult question because if you look to, say, South Korea as a good example, so they actually have dog farms in South Korea, so it's more kind of regulated. And, you know, the, the dogs there are, are farmed, for food 
there again, like it's become a very divisive issue in that country. And it's not somewhere that we work specifically. Um, you know, I have uh, colleagues and, and people that, that are working in South Korea, but that then becomes more of a question of like uh, an association, like you say, as, as these domesticated animals that are pets rather than food. But that becomes subjective when you go to different countries. The reason that we, we focus specifically on the dog and cat meat trade and, and regulation is a challenging one because if a trade like this was regulated, it's, it's so impossible to enforce these regulations. Like it's very, very challenging in these countries to actually make sure that the, you know, kind of, I mean, humane slaughter is a strange kind of oxymoron anyway. Um, yeah. But if you, if you were to get into it, like, well, okay, so many of these pets are being stolen from the street. They're people's dogs, especially in Vietnam. Um, there's poisoning. They use kind of electric cattle prods, like often just throwing like um, cyanide and strychnine in, in food to poison, poison animals. There's a whole rabbit hole of insanity when you start talking about um, this trade. But it then becomes like the, the real reason that the, the dog and cat meat trade is, is such a an issue that you know that we address is because of the like the massive risk to public health i mean really it comes to rabies you know like rabies is one of these principal diseases that is so easily transmitted through through dogs more than than cats um but again you know the number of human deaths that are attributed to rabies in the countries that we work in is still way higher than it needs to be and this is in part because of, of these kind of illicit and illegal trades that are continuing so regulation, I think, would be one of those. It's like it's almost an impossible ask, really. Yeah. Um, we'll share the work that Four Paws does in our show notes, but just a couple of closing questions. On the website, there is a pledge. Can you explain that and its aim? So we have a couple of different pledges. So we have we have a petition, um, which is on the, the website, which is you, you know, as an individual and that the people that are listening to this can can sign and support us. And basically what we're trying to do with that is we are trying to uh, reach a million signatures. Um, and what we're going to do with that is basically use that to kind of, to show these, you know, to show governments in these different countries, just how much public sentiment is behind this issue. And this isn't just a Western centric thing by any means. In fact, like at one of our largest numbers of signatures is, is from Vietnam, you know, more than 150,000 signatures from Vietnam. When we hit a million, we can then go to these governments and say, look, like we have a million signatures, like this is something you really need to take seriously. Um, and then the other one we, we also have with uh, like a travel industry pledge. Um, so that one is, is basically where we're looking to the travel companies and, and the travel operators to help us support ethical, responsible travel that has no support or, or sort of... Um, connection with with the dog and cat meat trade keeping travelers safe but also again communicating to the countries where we're focusing our efforts that this is something that's really serious you know and this is something that people tourists travelers and visitors like don't feel safe and and don't feel that this is something that is um is necessary or or kind of motivating for people um to interact with in, in fact, it's, it's exactly the opposite. Well, final question. I would never go to a wet market because ethically there is no way. I would also not want to eat a uh, cat or dog. And while I'm not a vegetarian, when I'm in Southeast Asia, I do tend to eat vegetarian food. What would a tip be to someone that's that's gone to a restaurant and they like the idea of uh, beef rendang, let's say that, for example, how confident can you be that that is not dog? 
That's, I, that's a good question. I mean, generally now the the dog and cat meat, especially in in Cambodia and Vietnam, it's it's quite a specific meat. It's not something that's really substituted or kind of alternated for other meats in that context. Like it's usually advertised specifically. You go to these restaurants and that will be what they're selling. You know, they're selling dog meat. And in Vietnam as well, the, the cat meat or like little tiger, as it's kind of commonly referred to. It's almost like a uh. specialist restaurant. You're not going to kind of accident, accidentally get that. But one thing I would say is that although, we, although you know, this conversation is, is specifically around dogs and cats, there was a really insightful investigation into the treatment of pigs in Cambodia and the, the conditions and slaughterhouses there. And it was terrible. You know, it was it was absolutely awful. Pigs being killed with metal pipes and, you know, it's really, really horrible. Um, and so it's just to say that, like, the animals that exist and, and live, you know, within this kind of food system in, in countries. I mean, the West the West is, is by no means without fault. You know, the, the way that kind of the industrial agriculture system treats its animals is abhorrent. But really, it's I would encourage encourage people just to kind of think about all the the kind of all the steps and all the things that happen to get that food whether or not you take it from a vegetarian or a vegan perspective even just thinking about where things come from like why you know why is this so cheap how can the conditions that sort of led to the production of this thing sort of how can you choose to interact with these things more ethically more mindfully and how can your tourist dollars like don't kind of haggle for 20 cents with people that have very little you know maybe it could just be something that's always front of mind instead of back of mind. But I think the, the thing that's been interesting to me in this time of COVID and this time of pandemic is just to realize kind of how fragile our planet is and just how fragile people are, you know, and just to realize that the way that we've treated animals up to this point and the kind of disregard for, for safety and hygiene and public health, we're paying the price for that you know, with, with SARS and MERS and avian flu and now this, you know, it's kind of what's next, right? We don't want the dog and cat meat trade to be the source of the next pandemic. It's avoidable. And with some more conscious choices and some more mindful behaviors, we'll, you know, have a safer, healthier world for all of all of us, you know, the people, the animals and everyone that's on it. And, you know, it's kind of leave it better than you found it, right? We'll have a link to Four Paws, their pledges and work and Anamondial in show notes. Look, if you'd like to get in touch with us, I think you know the email by now, don't you? Podcast at worldnomads.com. And don't forget to share, subscribe, like us, tell your friends about the World Nomads Travel Podcast and make sure they get it from wherever they get their favourite pods. Actually, it'd be really nice if you did because we are on track this year to crack half a million listens. Half a million listens. Would be a nice Christmas present, wouldn't it? Yeah, get some friends to listen to us. That'd be great, thanks. Okay. Next episode, the African bush camps embracing preventative measures to safeguard the health of guests. See ya. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.